to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today on the podcast, I'm going to depart slightly from my usual highly focused on inflation discussion to address something that's more generally applicable, uh, not just to inflation. I'm going to demystify, hopefully, the notion of delta and measuring risks with the Greeks. This is going to be kind of a 101 level discussion. So if you're a professional options trader or risk manager, then you might want to skip this one. But I think that it's, um, I think that the concept of Delta and Vega and all those things are, to to a non-professional using those terms can be very intimidating. And and the concepts themselves are really not all that intimidating. There can be a lot of math behind some of it. And how you use the concepts um, maybe is not always intuitive, but the concepts themselves are pretty straightforward. So I'm going to talk about that today. I also want to highlight the fact that on the next podcast, next week, uh, that will be episode 60, I'm going to have my first ever living special guest. Uh, way back in episode 15, I did a, I had a posthumous interview with Milton Friedman, um, and that was great because um, he couldn't really disagree with me a whole lot. Uh, but but this is going to be a an interview with a real live person um, and a super interesting one at that. Uh, we'll talk about inflation in the context of insurance companies, and I think you'll want to listen to that. I have to say that that one will probably not always be a 101-level discussion. Some of it might be a little bit more um, advanced, but certainly interesting and, and interesting for, for people of all um, expertise levels. We'll, we'll try to keep it from getting you know too wonky. Uh, you'll definitely want to tune in. So let's get to the main event today. But before we do, let me first remind you that this episode of Sense and Sensibility is sponsored by Simplify ETFs. Simplify is a manager of alternative ETFs, solving today's most pressing portfolio challenges, including income solutions like SVAL, yield curve plays like TUA, and 60-40 diversifiers such as CTA. If you're an individual investor, if you are a CTA, uh, if you are an RIA, you will likely find that something they have done addresses a particular problem you have that you didn't know was solvable. Check out their website at simplify.us. That's simplify.us. And you can find their entire lineup of ETFs at simplify.us slash ETFs. Now on with the show. I had a different topic on the calendar for today originally. And, but then a few days ago, there was, a, there was an article, and I think it was on Bloomberg, <clears throat> which referred to a recent volatile trading session in the stock market as being caused by or related to the, quote, arcane area of trading known as delta hedging, unquote. And I immediately laughed and snorted milk out of my nose, which was all the more amazing because I wasn't drinking milk, uh, but it was, uh, it, was, it was a real laugher. Um, delta hedging is certainly not arcane, uh, especially in trading. In fact, you might say it's absolutely fundamental. And I figured it was worth demystifying a little bit. And in fact, as I get, as I get into this, you're going to eventually realize that we all do delta hedging. Even those of us who don't know what delta is do delta hedging. <clears throat> and um, 
it's just it's just that that particular term scares and confuses some people. So let's start by stripping away the word delta, and I will come back to it. Obviously, <clears throat> what we are talking about here is matching the risk of some position. We'll pretend it's a securities position. You, some position you have matching its risk with a different position, having the opposite risk, and then appropriately sizing those different those two different positions so that the two risks offset one another. Um, let me give you an example. <clears throat> the sizing is sort of important. Let's suppose you have a security A, and, and one of the characteristics of this security is that it goes up five points whenever it's sunny outside, and it goes down five points if it's rainy. And... And you also have access to a different security, let's call it B, and it goes up one point when it's rainy and down one point when it's sunny. You have an, you have an opportunity here to hedge your position, if you hold A, with some amount of B. And um, <clears throat> because when A... When it's sunny, A goes up and B goes down. So those off, offset. And when it's rainy, A goes down and B goes up. But different amounts. So B moves one-fifth as much as A does, and so you need five times as much. So to offset A, I need five of security B. And so then when it's sunny, security A goes up five points Security B goes down one point, but I have five of them, so it goes down five points, and so I'm up five and down five. Those offset, and the risks go away. And that five is called the delta. Okay, that's the the delta of A with respect to B, or you could think about it as the delta of the price of A with respect to sunshine, or something like that. But we'll we'll we'll, We'll get to sort of the, the particulars a little bit later. But it doesn't sound very arcane, right? It's just a question of how, how fast does, does A move? How fast does B move? Delta just means change. It just means exposure. A delta tells you your exposure to something, your expected change in the portfolio or instrument or whatever for a change in some variable. In that example, I knew the delta of security A with respect to sunshine. I knew that if it was sunny, okay, so that's the underlying thing that's moving, then the price of A would go up five. So that's my delta. So my delta of security A with respect to sunshine is five. You can have a delta with respect to almost almost any variable. Um, and obviously, it can get very complex, especially if, if you you know, are math inclined and you want to apply a lot of math to this. You know, when I ran a, my trading book back when I worked for Barclays or in Texas, say, I knew what my delta was every day. I had a very complex portfolio, lots and lots of derivatives positions and bond positions, futures positions, all kinds of stuff. But I could summarize my entire portfolio, my entire book, uh, with respect to its deltas to inflation expectations, real interest rates, the spread between inflation swaps and break-evens, volatility, time, yield curve, slope, and a few other things. What it allowed me to do, what that allowed me to do, was to look at my P&L for a given day, up or down, you know, 
$200,000, whatever it was. And and I could look at that P&L and I, I could say that, okay, this much of that profit or loss came from the market movement. This much came from time passing. This much came from this spread or that spread. And so, and, and so to be able to get down to the nitty-gritty of, okay, what did the portfolio do that was unexpected, that, that I haven't identified all, all the deltas, uh, all the sensitivities, all the exposures of the portfolio? And, and in financial portfolios, you're, you're able to get a fairly precise set of deltas so that you should be able – to look at your your P&L and attribute all of it or virtually all of it to some some relationship that portfolio has with an underlying variable. Now, there's always some idiosyncratic risk. So, you know, if you own IBM and it has some delta with respect to the stock market, and bunches of other things, it also has an idiosyncratic IBM delta that's just not related to anything else. It's left over, and it's because it's IBM. Well, that's a delta two, and it's in the delta two that residual. Again, you can account for that. Now, now we're starting to get to the arcane, complex you know, sounding stuff, but at the bottom line is it's just exposure. It's just exposure and just counting the ways that you can – the market can make you better, the market can make you worse. It, 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 that, that part is easy. The hard part is being – and the arcade part is figuring out what those deltas are in some cases and how they – you know, you, you want to make sure you're not double counting them by counting some, you know, some other variable that's indirectly related and, and, and so on. But – but by doing all that in a complex portfolio, like when I was at Barclays or in a Texas, it allowed you allowed me to say, okay, the numbers add up, and I know why I'm making money on this portfolio. And 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 more importantly, not just for me, but for management, um, we want to know whether I'm making money on the portfolio because of my decisions <laughs> or because of something which had nothing to do with me. Uh, you make a lot of decisions when you run a complex portfolio. And, and I might have decided, for example, that I didn't want overall exposure to the inflation market, so I, I hedge my inflation swap delta and leave everything else alone. And, and then if something – if I end up making money, it was not because of the overall movement in the inflation swap market. So the management of that – kind of book is arcane, but the actual concept is not arcane at all. If you've never done it, it, it sounds arcane. I get it. But you do it anyway. And even if you don't have a securities portfolio, you do delta hedging. You do, you do delta analysis. If you've ever kicked a soccer ball, all right, you can think about the result, how far the ball goes, is a consequence of a bunch of a bunch of input variables and the ball's exposure, the results exposure to those things. So you have a delta to how hard you kick the ball. If you kick the ball with five more pounds of force, it will go X meters further. 
Okay, that's a delta. That's the delta of, of the, the distance the ball travels with respect to the force with which you hit the ball. You have a delta with respect to the wind speed and how much the ball is inflated and so on. And you don't sit and calculate all those things. If you're in physics class, you calculate some of them. But, but when you're kicking a soccer ball, you don't consciously calculate all those exposures but you do implicitly. You know if you kick the ball harder, it will go further. And if you play soccer at all, you have a pretty good sensitivity. You have a pretty good understanding of you know, how hard you need to kick the ball to get it where you want it, right? That's all we're doing. It's just that we're doing it with a lot more numbers. And we're putting fancy Greek terms like delta on it. We don't think of those things as deltas. We don't think of them as exposures, but that's what they are. Everything that is causally related in the universe to something else can be that relationship can be can be represented you know that that the force between them that connection between them can be represented as a delta of some kind so getting back to securities you know slightly more arcane than than you know owning a, a stock and saying it has some delta with respect to the underlying stock market and and, and probably this is more what the article was talking about it, but still not very arcane, is the concept of how deltas can change over time for what we would call a nonlinear product, options, okay? Um, and securities with option-like characteristics. And sometimes the stock market can behave in a certain way because there are lots of outstanding options and that causes the owners of those options and the sellers of those options to behave in particular ways. And so that was kind of what the article was talking about. Um, again, not terribly arcane, but it's, but that was what it was talking about. So you know, real quickly, I want to keep this mostly a 101 level discussion, but to move it to like the 102 class and thinking about options, an option will have a changing exposure, um, that we do call delta as the thing the option is related to moves and that and that delta will change. So if I buy a a $100 call option um, on a particular stock and that, that is an option that gives me the right to buy that stock at $100 at some defined point in the future. The right but not the obligation to do it. And if the stock is currently trading at $60, then that option isn't worth a whole lot um, and it might have a delta of 10%, which means that for every $10 the stock moves, the price of the option moves by $1, 10% of, of, of $10. Uh, and that's all that 10% delta means. But what happens, because this is an option, is that if the underlying stock price then goes to, say, $90, okay, so the stock has gone up and it's going closer and closer to your strike price of that option, then the delta might go to 40 which means that for every $10 move in the underlying, your option goes up $4 instead of $1, okay? So that delta has changed over time. The change in that delta and how that delta changes is called gamma, and that does start to get a little bit more, a little fancier, but the delta itself is not. At any given time, I can hedge the underlying delta of the option with that amount of the underlying stock. So if I know my this option has a delta of 10%, meaning every 10 points the stock moves 
then I get one point in the option, then I just need to hold one-tenth as many shares of stock, or rather short them, to hedge that position, okay, to hedge the delta. The behavior of, of that delta in an option stems directly from the fact that the option's value is derived from an underlying instrument, and the payoff is related to the condition of that instrument at some point in the future that we we don't really know what it's going to look like. And so as the probability of getting that payoff changes, the option behaves more and more like that thing. Okay, so and and if it be, if it's if the probability of getting that payoff goes goes down, then then the option behaves less and less like that thing. If the probability of getting that payoff goes up, then the option behaves more and more like that thing. And that that tells you the exposure of the option, the delta of that option changes on the basis of whether or not you expect for it to ultimately be the same as the underlying. But again, that's, you know, we're getting into the the 102, you know, basics of option theory, but that's still, you know, that's something that if you're not a, if you're not in finance, it's less intuitive than kicking a soccer ball. Then I'll also say that when we're talking about options, we also have special names for some of these deltas. Like I, I already said, when you kick the soccer ball, we don't think we don't call those things deltas. Um, and when we're trading options, which is where all these Greeks come in, you know, we don't call you know it, the the option has the options price will change with respect to a change in in underlying volatility, implied volatility. But we don't call that the delta of the option with respect to volatility. We call it vega. We got a special name for it. We don't call you know the, the delta of the options price with respect to the passage of time. We don't call it the delta of the option with respect to the passage of time. We call it theta or time decay. So we have a specific lingo. And again, that starts to get, you know, there is mathematics behind that. And it does start to get more arcane. But the basic concept of delta, very, very simple. And, and, and you should you should keep that in mind. If you just remember that delta means exposure, then you'll see deltas everywhere. Um, I talk all the time, and to bring this back to inflation, I talk all the time on this podcast about the exposure of your portfolio with respect to inflation. I don't call it delta, but that's that's what it is. Um, we, I talk about the exposure of your lifestyle with respect to inflation. Well, that's also a delta of sorts. It's, it's harder to, to quantify, but if inflation goes up 10%, then the real value of what you can buy goes down by that much. So you can think about hedging that delta, okay? And the delta of your lifestyle, which isn't a security, but you can think about hedging it, right? What, you, what it costs you to buy a particular lifestyle, you can, you can hedge that by buying a security that, you know, goes up when inflation goes up. And that, at the end of the day, is what I talk about every week on this podcast. It's how you defend your money and your lifestyle. And that's all for today's short 101 podcast. Please like, forward, refer, subscribe, and do all those other things that the kids do. Uh, you can contact me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. Uh, if you have further questions on this topic um, or you're interested in the 201 version, then you can write to me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. 
Subscribe to the blog at inflationguy.blog. Follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. Visit Enduring Investments if you have an inflation challenge. And most importantly, defend your money. Defend your deltas. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, we know a guy.